Blog Talk Radio. And I will keep you posted. 
And if you're interested in purchasing an African drum just in time for the holiday season, please feel free to go to my website, which is www.drumsofchange.com, or you can just go to www.drumsofchange.com. Oh, yes, and you'll also be able to purchase drums via my associate partnership with Amazon.com with some drums which are priced, believe it or not, as low as $29, including shipping and handling. I call these drums starter drums, which make a perfect gift for youngsters and also for novice drummers. There you will also find drums for adults and those of you who are experienced and professional drummers as well. And, of course, we recommend that you go to your local African drum store in your neighborhood so that you can support the merchants in your local community. Uh, the drums that you purchase from my site will financially support the brothers and sisters in Africa who make them and export them here and abroad. So please take a look at the YouTube video on the front page of my site at Drums of Change, drumsofspirit.com. And I have a video that was done during President Obama's inauguration in honor of our ancestors and his becoming the first African-American president. I also talk about the African drum. I must also add that my wife and I were honored to have Malagoma as a house guest at our home last year for a week, and we soaked in a lot of information, uh, much of it of his knowledge and wisdom of the African ritual and the healing traditions of the Dagara people. And uh, let me take a moment to say that my wife is here in the studio with me, and uh, she will share some thoughts with you as well. How are you doing, hon? Hi. Thank you for having me here today. It's always great to be in the studio with you. Peace and blessings, everyone. Yes, great. So I'm looking forward to uh, you sharing your, your valued uh, input and thoughts about uh, uh, your program as well and also what we're doing here on Grassroots Holistic Health. As always, I invite you to call in with your comments about the book itself and about uh, any comments of what I'm about to read regarding mental uh, health and any general comments regarding... Uh, uh, your sentiments about uh, ritual, magic, and initiation from the African perspective and any other cultural tradition. You know, in other words, just to do with have you had experience with any of these traditions and are you involved with the religious or spiritual path which does not recognize these traditions? And does a belief in ritual, magic, and initiation conflict with your family values or upbringing? So please feel free to share your point of view. There are no right wrong answers, of course. In this show, uh, everyone's thought and opinions are respected. Uh, this show will also inform you of practical tips for enhancing your overall quality of life, spirit, mind, and body. And I must add, though, that I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not giving medical advice of any kind. And uh, what I do share is what personally works for me and my family, and I hope that you, too, will find some benefit. With all things, of course, check with a licensed medical professional before embarking on any changes in your health routine. I will take a short break now. When I return, I will begin by reading the interview that was conducted by Ms. Stephanie Marone with uh, Dr. Somme on the subject of mental illness. The chat room is open, so please feel free to enter and interact with each other. And for those of you who are listening in on the Internet, the call-in number, if you'd like to call in and express any thoughts and have any questions, that number is 323-927-1412. And if you wish to speak with us, of course, please remove your headsets and stand away from your computer modem to avoid feedback. I hope you enjoy the show. I'll be back in a moment. Maladomi Patrice Somme is a shaman. He's an initiated shaman from his religion, initiated by the elders. And um, later on, we can talk about exactly what a shaman is. But it, 
this point, I'd like to start by reading uh, the interview. In the shamanic view, mental illness signals the birth of a healer, explains Maladomi Patrice Somme. Thus, mental disorders are spiritual emergencies, spiritual crises, and need to be regarded as such to aid the healer in being born. With those in the West, they view as mental illness the Dagara people regard as good news from the other world. The person going through the crisis has been chosen as a medium for a message to the community that needs to be communicated from the spirit realm. Mental disorder, behavioral disorder of all kinds, signal the fact that two obviously incompatible energies have merged into the same field, says Dr. Somme. And those disturbances result with that person, uh, should I say, when the person does not get assistance in dealing with the presence of the energy from the spirit realm. One of the things that Dr. Somme encountered when he first came to the United States in 1980 for graduate study was how this country deals with mental illness. When a fellow student was sent to a mental institute due to nervous depression, Dr. Somi went to visit him. I was so shocked, he said. That was the first time I was brought face-to-face with what is done here to people exhibiting the same symptoms I've seen in my village. And what struck Dr. Somi was that the attention given to such symptoms was based on pathology, on the idea that the condition is something that needs to stop. This was an incomplete, this was in complete opposition to the way that his culture views such a situation. As he looked around the stock ward at the patients, some in straight jackets, some zoned out on medications, others screaming, he observed to himself, So this is how the healers who are attempting to be born are treated in this culture. What a loss. What a loss that a person who is finally being aligned with the power from the other world is just being wasted. Another way to say this, which may make some sense to the Western mind, is that we in the West are not trained in how to deal or even taught to acknowledge the existence of psychic phenomena, the spirit world. In fact, psychic abilities are denigrated. When energies from the spiritual world emerge in the Western psyche, that individual is completely unequipped to integrate them or even recognize what is happening. The result can be terrifying. Without the proper context for and and assistance in dealing with the breakthrough with another level of reality, for all practical purposes, the person is insane. Heavy dosing with anti-psychotic drugs compounds the problem and prevents the integration that could lead to soul development and growth in the individual who has received these energies. On the mental ward, Dr. Somme saw a lot of beings hanging around the patients, entities that are invisible to most people, but that shamans and psyches are able to see. They were causing the crises in these people, he says. It appeared to him that these beings were trying to get the medications and their effects out of the bodies of the people the beings were trying to merge with. And with increasing the and, and were increasing the patient's pain in the process. The beings were acting almost like some kind of excavator in the energy field of the people. They were fierce really fierce about that. The people they were doing that to were just screaming and yelling, he said. He couldn't stay in that environment and had to leave. In the Dagara tradition, the community helps the person reconcile the energies of both worlds. The world of the spirit that he or she is merged with and the village and community, said Dr. Somme. That person is able to then serve as a bridge between the worlds and help the living with information and healing they need. Thus, the spiritual crisis ends with the birth of another healer. The other world's relationship with our world is one of sponsorship, Dr. Soma explains. More often than not, 
The knowledge and skills that arise from this kind of merger are knowledge or a skill that is provided directly from the other world. The beings who are increasing the pain of the inmates of the inmates on the mental hospital ward were actually attempting to merge with the inmates in order to get messages through to this world. The people they had chosen to merge with were getting no assistance in learning how to be a bridge between the worlds of the beings' attempts to merge and were thwarted. The result was the sustaining of an initial disorder of energy and the aborting of the birth of a healer. The Western culture has consistently ignored the birth of the healer, states Dr. Somay. And consequently, there will be a tendency from the other world to keep trying as many people as possible in an attempt to get somebody's attention. They have to try harder. The spirits are shown are drawn to people whose senses have not been anesthetized, and the sensitivity is pretty much read as an invitation to come in, he notes. Those who develop so-called mental disorders are those who are sensitive, which is viewed in the Western culture as oversensitivity. Indigenous cultures don't see it that way, and as a result, sensitive people don't experience themselves as overly sensitive. In the West, it is the overload of the culture that they're in that is wrecking them, observes Dr. Soleil. The frenetic pace, the bombardment of the senses, and the violent energy that characterizes Western culture can overwhelm, overwhelm sensitive people. Schizophrenia and foreign energy. With schizophrenia, there is a special receptivity to the flow of images and information which cannot be controlled, states Dr. Somme. When this kind of rush occurs at a time that is not personally chosen, and particularly when it comes from images that are scary and contradictory, the person goes into a frenzy. And what is required in this situation is first to separate the person's energy from the extraneous foreign energies by using, using shamanic practices, which is known as a sweep, to clear the latter out of the individual's aura. And with the clearing of their energy field, the person no longer picks up a flood of information and no longer has a reason to be scared and disturbed, explains Dr. Somay. Then, it is possible to keep the person aligned with the energy of the spirit being attempting to come through from the other world and give birth to the healer. The blockage of that emergence is what creates problems. The energy of the healer is a high-voltage energy, he observes. When it is blocked, it just burns up the person. It's like a short circuit, fuses a blowing. That is why it can be really scary. And I understand why this culture prefers to find these people. Here they are, yelling and screaming, and they're out and put into a straitjacket. That's a sad image. And again, the shamanic approach is to work on aligning the energy so there is no blockage. Fuses aren't blowing, and the person can become the healer that they are meant to be. It needs to be noted at this point, however, that not all the spirit beings that enter a person's energetic field are there for the purposes of promoting healing. There are negative energies as well, which are undesirable presences in the aura. In those cases, the shamanic approach is to remove them from the aura rather than work to align the discordant energies. Now we have Alex. Crazy in the USA, healer in Africa. To test his belief that the shamanic view of the mental illness holds true in Western world as well as in indigenous cultures, Dr. Somme took a mental patient back to Africa with him, to his village. I was prompted, he says, by my own curiosity to find out whether there is truth in the universality that mental illness could be connected with and in alignment with the being from another world, says Dr. Somme. Alex was an 18-year-old American who had suffered a, a psychotic break when he was 14. He had hallucinations, was suicidal, and went through cycles of dangerously severe depression. He was in a mental hospital and had been given a lot of drugs, but nothing was helping. The parents had done everything unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully says Dr. Somay. They didn't know what else to do. 
With their permission, Dr. Somme took their son to Africa. After eight months there, Alex had become quite normal, Dr. Somme reports. He was even able to participate with healers in the business of healing, sitting with them all day long and helping them, assisting them in what they were doing with their clients. He spent about four years in my village. Alex stayed by choice, not because he needed more healing. He felt much safer in the village than in America. To bring his energy and that of the being from the spiritual room into alignment, Alex went through a shamanic ritual designed for that purpose, although it was slightly different from the ones used in the Dagara people, or with the Dagara people. He wasn't born in the village, so something else applied. But the result was similar, even though the ritual is not literally the same, explains Dr. Somme. The fact that aligning the energy worked to heal Alex demonstrated to Dr. Somme that the connection between other beings and mental illness is indeed universal. After the ritual, Alex began to share the messages that the spirit being had for this world. Unfortunately, the people he was talking to didn't speak English, and Dr. Somi was away at that point. The whole experience led, however, to Alex going to college to study psychology. He returned to the United States after four years because he discovered that all the things that he needed to do had been done, and he could then move on with his life. The last that Dr. Somi heard was that Alex was in graduate school in psychology at Harvard. No one had thought that he could ever be able to complete undergraduate studies, much less get an advanced degree. Dr. Somi summed up that Alex's mental illness was all about his reaching out, and it was an emergency call. His job and his purpose was to be a healer, and he said no one was paying attention to that. After seeing how well the shamanic approach worked for Alex, Dr. Somi concluded that spirit Beings are just as much an issue in the West as in his community in Africa. He says, yet the question still remains. The answer to this problem must be found here instead of having to go all the way overseas to seek the answer. There has to be a way in which a little bit of attention towards pathology of this whole experience leads to the possibility of coming up with a proper ritual to help people. Longing for spiritual connection. A common thread that Dr. Somme has noticed in mental disorders in the West is a very ancient ancestral energy that has been placed in in stasis. And that found is coming out in the person. His job then is to trace it back, to go back in time, to discover what that spirit is. In most cases, the spirit is connected to nature, especially the mountains or the big rivers, he says. In the case of mountains, as an example to explain the phenomenon, it's the spirit of the mountain that is walking side by side with the person and as a result creating a time-space distortion that is affecting the person caught in it. What is needed is a merger or an alignment of the two energies. So the person and the mountain spirit become one. Again, the shaman conducts a specific ritual to bring about this alignment. And Dr. Somme believes that the encounters, that he encounters this situation so often in the United States because most of the fabric of this country is made up of the energy of the machine. And the result is that of the disconnection and the severing of the past. You can run from the past, but you can't hide from it, he says. The ancestral spirit of the natural world comes visiting. He says, it's not so much that the spirit wants as it is what the person wants, he says. The spirit sees in us a call for something grand, something that will make life meaningful, and so the spirit is responding to that. And that call, which we don't even know we are making, reflects a strong longing for a profound connection, a connection that transcends materialism and possession of things and moves into a tangible cosmic dimension. Most of this longing is unconscious, but for spirits, conscious and unconsciousness doesn't make any difference. They respond to either. As part of the ritual to merge the mountain and human energy, those who are receiving the mountain energy are sent to a mountain area. 
of their choice. Where they pick up a stone that calls to them, they bring that stone back for the rest of the ritual and keep it as a companion. Some even carry it around with them. The presence of the stone does a lot of tuning the perspective, the, the perspective ability of the person. Note stop the soulmate. They receive all kinds of information that they can make use of, and it's like they get some tangible guidance from the other world as to how to live their life. When it is in the river energy, both being called to the river and after speaking to the river spirit, they find a water stone to bring back to the same kind of ritual as the mountain spirit. And people think that something extraordinary must be done in an extraordinary situation like this, he says, but that's not usually the case. Sometimes it is as simple as carrying a stone, a sacred ritual approach to mental illness. One of the gifts a shaman can bring to the Western world is to help people rediscover ritual, which is so sadly lacking. The abandonment of ritual can be devastating. From the spiritual view, ritual is inevitable and necessary if one is to live. Dr. Somi writes in Ritual, Power, Healing, and Community. To say that ritual is needed in the industrialized world is an understatement. We have seen in my people that it is probably impossible to live a sane life, a sane life, without it. Dr. Somi did not feel that the rituals from his traditional village could simply be transferred to the West. So over his years of shamanic work here, he has designed rituals that meet the very different needs of this culture. Although the rituals change accordingly to the individual or the group involved, he finds that there is a need for certain rituals in general. And one of these involves helping people to discover that their distress is coming from the fact that they are called by beings from the other world to cooperate with them in doing healing work. Ritual allows them to move out of the distress and accept that calling. Another ritual need relates to initiation. The indigenous cultures all over the world, young people are initiated into adulthood when they reach a certain age. The lack of such initiation in the West is part of the crisis that people are in here, says Dr. Somme. He urges communities to bring together the creative juices of people who have had this kind of experience and in an attempt to come up with some kind of an alternative ritual that would at least begin to put a dent in this kind of crisis. Another ritual that repeatedly speaks to the needs of those coming to him for help entails making a bonfire and then putting into the bonfire items that are symbolic of issues carried into the individuals. It might be the issues of anger and frustration against an ancestor who has left a legacy of murder, enslavement, or anything, things that the descendant has to live with, he explains. If these are approached as things that are blocking the human imagination, the human life, the person's life spirits and the purpose, and even the person's view of life as something that can improve, then it makes sense to begin thinking in terms of how to turn that blockage into a roadway that can lead to something more creative and more fulfilling. The example of issues with an ancestor touches on rituals designed by Dr. Somme that addresses a serious tax dysfunction in Western society and in the process trigger enlightenment in participants. There are ancestral rites and the, and the dysfunction that they are aimed at is the mass turning of the lack of ancestors. Some of the spirits trying to come through, as described earlier, may be ancestors who want to merge with the descendant in an attempt to heal what they weren't able to do while in their physical body. Unless the relationship between the living and the dead is in balance, chaos ensues, he says. The Dagara believe that if such an imbalance exists, it is the duty of the living to heal the ancestors. If these ancestors are not healed, their sick energy will haunt the souls and psyches of those who are responsible for helping them. The ritual focus the rituals focus on healing the relationship with our ancestors, both specific issues of an individual ancestor and the larger cultural issues contained in our past. And Dr. Somi has been extraordinarily has seen extraordinary healing occur in these rituals. Taking a sacred ritual approach to mental illness rather than regarding the person as a pathological case gives the person affected and indeed community at large the opportunity to begin looking at it from an adventure point too, that which leads to a whole plethora of opportunities 
and ritual initiative that can be very, very beneficial to everyone present, states Dr. Somme. So that ends uh, the interview that uh, Stephanie uh, Moron had with Dr. Somme. Uh, my dear wife, what do you think about what I just read? And, uh, and what are your thoughts in terms of healing and the experiences that we've had reading his books, Dr. Somme? I can definitely relate to what Dr. Somme is talking about in his interview. There are countless numbers of people of all ages who are in mental institutions diagnosed with all sorts of mental disorders. They're given psychotropic meditations. They're, they're given, uh, you know, they're restrained using straitjackets. The medication can actually exacerbate the problem and at best, there are a lucky population who just numbs them out altogether and they don't feel anything. And I suppose in some people's eyes, not feeling anything can be better than experiencing what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. the, there's good and bad to that. Um, the bad part that I see is when you don't experience symptoms, then you don't heal. Mm -hmm. If you're given painkillers for pain, you're treating the pain, you're not treating the problem. It's like a Band-Aid covering. So the exactly. It's like putting a Band-Aid without curing the wound. All you're doing is slapping a Band-Aid on it. And so from a spiritual standpoint, having seen having experienced. There are many who are diagnosed with psychological problems, but what they're experiencing is a frustration. Mm -hmm. And the frustration may look like yelling and screaming and irrational behavior mm -hmm. and what, whatever it might manifest itself to be. But internally, the person has not yet discovered a way to deal with their frustration. So the label is basically crazy, mm -hmm. and they're not. Right. They're not. You know, it's interesting that we, we uh, you and I, I met you uh, going back some years, five, six years ago, we, we shared that uh, we had an attraction towards crystals and stones. And it seems as if that's something that's very uh, important within the shamanic uh, practice of healing. And that we, uh, as Dr. Stoney states, that some of us are attached, uh, have an attraction towards the mountain, you know, towards metal, some towards water. And uh, I think it says a lot that sometimes when those of us are afflicted with mental illness, on whatever level, that we tend to self want to self medicate. Some of us, in terms of water, we turn to liquor, to drinking, and, and other drugs. And then there's some of us who don't take these drugs, but we have an affinity to want to collect stones, in this case crystals. And by the society at large, you look at it's being a little weird. Because so what do you think about what are you getting those stones for? What good are they going to do for you? But uh, spirit inside tells you hey, maybe there's something to this, that these stones have certain healing properties depending on what stones you get. So that's something that I think that it's, you know, opens up the conversation uh, now that I read and read this about Maladome. Uh, do, you, do you find that there's something uh, to say about that? Well, you know, I always have something to say about everything. <laughs> <laughs> there is a 
school of thought, which I definitely ascribe to regarding stones and crystals. And what we're talking about is having an affinity or a connection to the earth energy. Mm-hmm. Everything is energy. Everything has energy to those who are able to see auras. You can look at a stone or a plant or a tree or, or even a piece of paper, an object, a pencil, and there's an aura around it. People who have an affinity for crystals, stones, other objects, they, whether they are aware of it or not, they are attempting to connect to the Earth's energy. Mm. Crystals are very powerful. Um, some crystals and some precious stones, as you know, actually contain fossils. Absolutely. From thousands of years ago, as you know, I have an amber stone in one of my unks that has a fossil in it. Mm. Very powerful. Mm. Very powerful in healing connecting with the Earth's energies, relating to the Akashic Records. So that's, that's why some people, and especially children, how many children do you know, or maybe as a child, you might even have had a rock collection. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids collect rocks. They instinctively know. Right. They're connecting, reconnecting with the Earth's energies. Well, I know that uh, as boys, and I don't know that the girls didn't do it, but we used to have marbles, and we would shoot marbles. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that was just a natural instinct to, to have an attraction towards marbles, which is at that point was the closest to a crystal that we would come to. Absolutely, and, they and, look like crystals. And we would have what, what you call the cat eye marbles. Yes, I remember that. Cat eyes, what have you. So it just says that you know how even in the Western world we still compensate by not even being told what we need to have in our lives. But we would devise a game that is accepted by our parents and the community at large, but those of us who needed to have these marbles in our hands were maintaining a healing, a healthy uh, psychic state of mind by having these bags of marbles. So that's another thing that uh, we can have another conversation about in terms of what were the natural instincts that we had as children? Because when you're a child, you know, you don't have to be told what's good for you. You try to feed a child some food that's not good for it. It's going to, what, it's going, what is it going to do? It's going to make an ugly face. Throw it right at you. Yeah, throw it right at you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, with you and I being both vegetarians, uh, we can relate to the fact that uh, you try to feed a baby uh, meat, the mother has to masticate it and even chew it up herself then uh, feed it to the baby. And the baby normally doesn't like the way it tastes. They like the fruits, they like the veggies. So they would let us know, like we did with, as boys playing with marbles, what games and what habits, what diets are most healthy for us. But anyway, I'm happy that I was able to read this, uh, this piece that Maladome uh, shared with, uh, with uh, Stephanie about mental illness really said a lot. It was very interesting that the young man, Alex, that he took to his village, stayed there for four years and was able to assist the healers in his village. Um, And then came back to the West and went to Harvard and and, uh, pursued a a degree in psychology. For all we know, you could be a a psychologist. So thanks for for your thoughts. And at this point, I'm going to take a short break. I see that we have some people uh, in, in the chat room. If you care to call in, please feel free to call. Uh, the number is seven one. I'm sorry. The number is three two three nine two seven one four one two. We'll be back with you in a moment. Thank you for, uh, again, 
listening in on our show. And uh, again, I must reiterate what I said earlier, that I am not a medical doctor, and I'm not here to recommend any treatments or make any diagnosis, but what I am here to do is to share information with you about the health practices which my family and I engage in and which work for us. Um, I suggest that before trying anything new that you would indeed consult with a licensed medical practitioner. With that being said, I must share with you the fact that my wife and I both use a product named Fruta Vita, which is an energy drink which has several benefits, and it assists me in uh, maintaining a comfortable energy level during the day, and my wife as well. Uh, it has helped her to lose unwanted pounds, and it has also assisted her in uh, maintaining uh, a healthy uh, blood uh, glucose level. Um, my wife has also been able to uh, uh, come into complete remission and reversal of her case of diabetes that was diagnosed almost a year ago last December. So uh, she will share with you, if not in this show, uh, the next show and on her show, uh, how she was able to manage uh, her diabetes and to get off insulin and pills and so forth. And she now has a very holistic uh, diet of vegetarianism, and she's now uh, combining a vegan uh, diet as well. You're able to acquire uh, Vita juice that I just spoke about free of charge. I don't know how long this offer is going to last, but uh, from now on, I'm sure maybe going into the holidays, you'll be able to get a free bottle of Fruit of Vita, which is a 30-ounce bottle, and you just have to pay for the shipping and handling. Uh, please feel free to go to my website, which is tryfruitofvita.com. That's T-R-Y-F-R-U-T-A-V-I-C-N-Victor-I-D-A.com forward slash 45522. As a matter of fact, the link is on my uh, page here at Blog Talk Radio. And if you try it, I definitely would love to uh, get feedback from you in, in terms of how it affected you. You can email me after using it. And um, my email address is also located uh, on the web page. Or you can email me at wesleygray43, the number 43aol.com. You definitely would be surprised in terms of results. I must also reiterate that I had the pleasure of running the, uh, my 14th New York Marathon uh, two weeks ago, November the 7th. And uh, I've ran marathons going back some 30 years, and now I'm 66 years of age, and I can truly appreciate the adage that the body does keep score. Uh, what you put into your body and what we do with our body is like an investment. If you get a return back from that investment in proportion to the consistency and the intent and, or the healthy habits and the lifestyle that we have. Uh, it took me about six hours to complete the marathon. I have ran the marathon under three hours. I did it uh, at 45 years of age uh, back in 1989 in two hours and 58 minutes. And that was really an experience. It was uh, uh, able to classify me as an elite runner. And I'm in training now. Well, actually, within the next couple of weeks, I will be training so that within the next couple of years, I can become, again, an elite runner. And I'm not doing that for self-aggrandizement, but more so as uh, an inspiration to those in my age group and younger to at least, if not run a marathon, to consider running short distances, if not running at least walking at least one half a mile per day in a rigorous uh, pace. And that would be something that would do your body uh, very, very good in terms of maintaining a healthy lifestyle. You should also, if I may suggest, spend at least six and a half hours of uninterrupted sleep. And of course, if you can, get in eight hours. But strive for at least six and a half hours. And you can... Uh, let me go back to the running. You don't have to run a half hour completely. You can run in increments of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, as long as it adds up to, to uh, half an hour. You should strive to eat at least five meals per day, the size of a fist, preferably. And start off your day with a breakfast. That's literally the most important meal of the day. And you should make that mainly fruit 
and veggies if possible. And if you're really in a rush, you can juice it or make it into a smoothie. And of course, relaxation. If you have children, you should spend at least an hour to two hours of playtime with your children. And if you're just with a significant other with your spouse, you should at least, at least expend
because I think that's a, that's a term that most people will be able to relate to. I could call it transmission of energy. I could call it many things, but let's just say my anointing by the Most High, independent of everything else that I've done, qualifies me to be able to use the title of healer. Uh, there are so many who are unfamiliar with traditional and indigenous healing. And any assistance that I can be to anyone, I'm, I'm there for them. Uh, I so much appreciated the article that you read earlier in the show, written by Dr. Somay. He is uh, an incredible healer. Yes, indeed. And uh, the title shaman doesn't even adequately describe his work. But we, we use these terminologies and these titles too so that people can have an understanding and feel comfortable with what's being discussed. But it goes so much more deeper in substance. So, in a nutshell, that's that's what the series on my show, The Incarnation, is about right now. And uh, the character in the book that I'm reading, Catherine, is quite explicit in describing her past lives. And the book discusses how, through exploring her past lives, Catherine, who came to Dr. Weiss originally with many phobias, was able to use that past life regression therapy to heal all of her phobias in what would be considered in the medical profession a short period of time. Mm. Because many patients who seek Western therapy for psychiatric illnesses are in therapy for many years, if not all of their lives. Kind of reminds me almost of prescription medication. Yeah, well, Once you're prescribed the medication, you're on it like the rest of your life. It's not it's not designed to cure you, it's just allowed it's just designed to allow you to what they call manage right. the condition, not which cure is, it. Which is part of uh, a, a an industrial complex um, agenda that some schools of thought share with us. Absolutely. There are political um, inferences and subtleties surrounding that whole topic. And as far as um, indigenous or traditional healing versus contemporary or Western healing, the same goes for psychiatric problems. If you're healed by a spiritual healer, it's permanent. It's not something that you are going to be sustaining for the rest of your life. You don't have to see the spiritual healer weekly or biweekly or monthly or whatever frequency for the rest of your life. You are healed. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. Would you like to share your website or things of that nature that you have developed already? Surely. Um, You may contact me at www.spiritchange.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Facebook forward slash, uh, Facebook.com rather, forward slash Spirit Change. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, I'd just like to, uh, coming towards the end of the program, we have about seven minutes remaining. I wanted to read, and I probably won't be able to complete uh, the whole uh, response, and I can uh, get back to it in our next show. But here's a question that was asked uh, uh, by an individual towards uh, Dr. Somay. The question is, how can a person begin to find out what his or her life's purpose might be? Is this something we feel we can discover for ourselves, or must someone wiser tell us what it is? I'm 55 years old, and though I feel it's important for me to know this so that I can put my talents to their best use, all my efforts haven't led to clarity. Or do we not need to know? Maybe only the ego cares about this. What do you think, Dr. Solomon? Well, I think that the ego cares about this. 
And his answer is, there's no way we or our purpose can be ignorant of or completely alienated from each other like twins who were separated at birth. It is inconceivable that we humans could be in this world for no reason. We either know our purpose or it knows us. I'll repeat that again. We either know our purpose or it knows us. There is a higher issue, and it is whether we are waiting for someone to confirm what we already know before we truly believe it, or we are strong and bold enough to embrace our convictions. As people under the umbrella of modernity, we long for acknowledgement and recognition as humans. We want to be witnessed, to be seen in our gifts means a lot to us. It means that we have the permission to fulfill a mission. It is as if someone, preferably an authority, has pronounced us fit to do what is seen as a mandate to fulfill a destiny. This witnessing or pronouncement from a valued person is like an authorization, a permission to go ahead and do what we must do. And consequently, if purpose is mission, purpose without permission is purpose denied deep down. At least that is what the human psychic reads. Purpose and gift are one and the same. We all came into this world each with a gift. The gift is our profession, the thing we are most qualified to do it in this lifetime. In the indigenous thinking, there is no way one can arrive in this world without one. For the larger issue in the modern world is to quickly find out what that gift is in order to radiate and live it. This is what initiation in indigenous culture takes care of. Initiation allows the individual to become aware of and to see their gift directly from the other world. Seeing the gift is seeing the light. It bursts open the floodgates of emotion and commitment and anchors a person's life in it. Our purpose is always pulling at us. Without formal initiation, we must notice this pull and go to the direction it wants us to go. We must sense the throbbing and the gift inside, and be willing to test it in various ways, or in various ways. The vitality of the gift feels like an irresistible pull to do something. It is a call to action that begins with the quest for some. It may take a lifetime reaching for it. In the Matrix, for example, Neo felt the pull to search because his purpose was to become the agent of redemption who freed people from the illusion of their conditioning. He didn't believe it at first, but eventually he came into the realization that he is the one. Similarly, purpose rarely discloses itself solemnly to its bearer. Instead, it comes feeling like a definite interest in something you like, and later on takes on the form of an increasing amount of passion towards a specific action in a clear area. A fixation with arts turns out to be a calling for healing for choreographic design a career in therapy, etc. A person who is constantly withdrawn and dangerously introverted may turn out to be a shaman with deep connection to the underworld. And if you are deeply excited and moved by what you are doing, chances are you are in tune with your gift. Purposeful living raises naturally from deep within as an urge to engage in activities that uplift itself and the others. And what you are doing, chances are you are fulfilling your purpose. And so I did not complete his, his answer, and I will pick up with that next week and continue with his answer. And I must thank you all for tuning in, and those of you who are on the chat room, I thank you for being in the chat area. And those who will be future listeners, I thank you for listening as well. And I must say, just like as I began, I will end as I give thanks and praise to the one most high, God, and I look forward to returning next Saturday to Grassroots Holistic Health Talk Radio. My name is Wesley Gray, and I'm your host. Have a beautiful weekend and a blessed week. Alafia, assalamu alaikum, etapu, namaste, shalom, peace, and blessings.